Now let me ask you girls and boys, would you paper a room with representations of horses? After a pause, one half of the children cried in chorus, Yes, sir! Upon which the other half, seeing in the gentleman's face that yes was wrong, cried out in chorus, No, sir! As the custom is in these examinations. Of course, no! Why wouldn't you? A pause. One corpulent slow boy with a wheezy manner of breathing ventured the answer, because he wouldn't paper a room at all, but would paint it. You must paper it, said Thomas Gretrind, whether you like it or not. Don't tell us you wouldn't paper it. What do you mean, boy? I'll explain to you then, said the gentleman, after another and a dismal pause, why you wouldn't paper a room with representations of horses. Do you ever see horses walking up and down the sides of rooms in reality, in fact? Do you? Yes, sir, from one half. No, sir, from the other. Of course, no, said the gentleman, with an indignant look at the wrong half. Why, then, you are not to see anywhere what you don't see in fact. You are not to have anywhere what you don't have in fact. What is called taste is only another name for fact. Thomas Gradgrind nodded his approbation. This is a new principle, a discovery, a great discovery, said the gentleman. Fact, 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 said the gentleman. And fact, 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 repeated Thomas Gretrind. Now, if Mr. Machokum Child, said the gentleman, will proceed to give his first lesson here, Mr. Gradgrind, I shall be happy, at your request, to observe his mode of procedure. Mr. Gradgrind walked homeward from the school in a state of considerable satisfaction. It was his school and he intended it to be a model. He intended every child in it to be a model, just as the young Gradgrinds were all models. There were five young Gradgrinds, and they were models every one. They had been lectured at from their tenderest years, coursed like little hares. Almost as soon as they could run alone, they had been made to run to the lecture room. The first object with which they had an association, or of which they had a remembrance, was a large blackboard with a dry ogre chalking ghastly white figures on it. To his matter-of-fact home, which was called Stone Lodge, Mr. Gradgrind directed his steps. He had virtually retired from the wholesale hardware trade before he built Stone Lodge and was now looking about for a suitable opportunity of making an arithmetical figure in Parliament. Stone Lodge was situated on a moor within a mile or two of a great town, called Coketown in the present faithful guidebook. He had reached the neutral ground upon the outskirts of the town when his ears were invaded by the sound of music. The clashing and banging band attached to the horse-riding establishment which had there set up its rest in a wooden pavilion was in full bray. A flag floating from the summit of the temple proclaimed to mankind that it was Sleary's horse-riding. Miss Josephine Sleary was then inaugurating the entertainments with her graceful equestrian Tyrolean flower act. Among the other pleasing but always strictly immoral wonders which must be seen to be believed, Signor Jupe 
was that afternoon to elucidate the diverting accomplishments of his highly trained performing dog, Merrylegs. Thomas Gradgrind took no heed of these trivialities, of course, but passed on as a practical man ought to pass on. But the turning of the road took him by the back of the booth, and at the back of the booth a number of children were congregated in a number of stealthy attitudes, striving to peep in at the hidden glories of the place. What did he then behold but his own metallurgical Louisa, peeping with all her might through a hole in a deal board, and his own mathematical Thomas, abasing himself on the ground to catch but a hoof of the graceful equestrian Tyrolean flower act. Louisa! Thomas! Both rose, red and disconcerted. But Louisa looked at her...